Fire, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. And I am, well, I'm excited. Excited is definitely the wrong word, uh, but I am certainly here talking about this Denver Nuggets win, or loss, excuse me. Good Lord. Uh, as the Nuggets lose to the LA Clippers last night, final score 111 102. Uh, not the greatest, certainly not the greatest performance of all time from Denver. And we'll get into why it's uh, an abnormal game that they had last night and something that I'm not sure anybody was really expecting, but also something that I'm not sure people should really be taking too much stock into. We'll get into why over the course of this episode. Uh, if you are listening on the YouTube side, make sure to like and comment on the video, uh, comment how concerned you are about Nikola Jokic shooting 9 of 32 from the field. Uh, I'm curious to see what everybody else thinks. Uh, but for now, I think it's probably important to just uh, be honest about what it was last night. It was pretty tough. <laughs> it was a pretty tough game, and that's just fine. Everybody's going to be okay. And I am not super concerned. And if I'm not concerned, then you certainly should not be either. Uh, but we'll get into why, of course. Um, but like I said, if you're on the audio side, make sure to like and comment. That would be super helpful. If you are on the um, yeah, no, YouTube side, make sure to like and comment. If you're on the audio side, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Helps us out tremendously over here. Uh, absolutely important to continue to grow the show. All right, let's talk about what happened. Let's talk about uh, one of the weirdest shooting nights that we have ever seen before. Uh, Nikola Jokic, 37 minutes last night, 22 points, 15 rebounds, 10 assists, four, four turnovers, plus one, plus one in a game that the Nuggets uh, lost by nine. So it can't be his fault, right? Can't be his fault because of, of the old plus minus. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I think that would be unfair. I think it's a pretty interesting uh, place where Denver's at right now. Um, getting a little bit of lag here, so let me try to close out of some tabs to try to make sure that the stream is as live as possible, as, as good as quality as we can possibly get it to. Um, but yeah, just a, a pretty tough place for, for Nikola Jokic to be. 9 of 32 from the field. It is the most missed shots that Nikola Jokic has ever had. And that, to me, is a pretty stark stat, of course. He has never been a missed shot guy. He's never been somebody who takes too many shots. Uh, he... Whenever he takes this number of shots, he usually gets the, the percentages back around. The worst we've ever really seen it was in game four or no game five of the Minnesota Timberwolves series, where I think he was eight of 29, nine of 28, one of those two. And in that game, he was doing everything else. He was being very involved. He was very good and kind of surprising the way that things have gone, kind of surprising that against the Clippers of all teams, it feels like he is overwhelmed in a number of categories. How weird is that? Man, this we're getting 
so much lag here. Sorry about that, everybody. Um, let me try to uh, lower the camera resolution quality just a little bit, just so we can uh, try to get that at least a little bit more live. There we go. Um, yeah, no, it's it's one of the worst shooting performances we've ever seen from Nikola Jokic and I don't have a ton of analysis for it. Let me let me just be clear. Nikola Jokic is never going to shoot like that again this season. He's just not. That's a very rare thing for him to do. He's missing shots that he normally makes. I'm not sure what the reason for it was. Uh there were a couple of plays where the Clippers were being like they're playing good defense whether it was Avisa Zubac or if it was uh, Daniel Tice, both of those guys I thought played good defense against Nicola last night, but there were still plenty of shots in the floater zone, shots around the rim, shots that Nicola Jokic generally makes, wide open threes, jump shots in rhythm, like in the mid-range. It was a little bit of everything. It really was. And kind of a surprising number, uh, obviously, 9 of 32 is, is just, it's one of the worst shooting performances we've seen in a while. Um, like in the entire NBA. So very weird, obviously, definitely not something that I think can be really evaluated too strongly, but given how abnormal it was, given how drastic of a shooting performance this was, I am hesitant to take it as like a, oh yeah, this is actually going to happen in the playoffs. This is actually going to happen in a matchup against the Clippers. I don't think so, because we've seen Nikola Jokic dominate the Clippers before. We've seen what it looks like when he goes full ham against this particular team and plays great on that end. Now, he had an 8 of 23 game against the Clippers earlier in the season, and I think both of his worst shooting performances of the year have now come against the Clippers. So maybe there is something to the way Ivisa Zubac and uh, now Daniel Tice are defending him. Now, Tice wasn't around for that first matchup, but still interesting. Still interesting to think about. And I wonder if Denver could set him up a little bit better. I wonder if there are things that they did last night that didn't really translate to good shots for Jokic. I don't think so. Like Jamal Murray was back, and I thought he did a pretty good job of setting him up in the pick and roll in the middle of the floor. And the Clippers were just willing to live with that. They didn't want to allow Jokic to be the passer. They wanted him to be the scorer, and he tried to score, and he just couldn't. He just couldn't last night. So, look, if he if he shoots a normal percentage, Denver wins. That's probably where this boils down to, obviously, for the win and loss factor. Um, Pretty interesting to see why. Pretty interesting to see what happened here and kind of how that has been handled. But look, I'm not going to be too concerned. I think it's most important for Denver. It's most important for the Nuggets that they just move on from this one, that they, like, this is the third time that they've played the Clippers. It will be the fourth time that they've played Houston. Denver needs to get out of this stretch, and they need to start playing some other teams. They need to start playing some easier teams, frankly, because the Clippers are the fourth best defense in the NBA, or at least statistically, and I'm sure that they. They may have moved up after this game. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and so it's, I think if you're a Nuggets fan, it's just frustrating to have to look at this one and like and think, okay, we have to have a different evaluation for this. Um, I'm not concerned. I'm not. 
I just, I refuse to be concerned. Nicole Jokic is still the best player in the NBA. He's still the guy that you want in the playoffs. He's still the guy that, even shooting-wise, like, you know he's going to make those shots because he's made them all before. Um, I am not super concerned, and I don't think Nuggets fans should be either. A um, couple questions here. J.K. Walrus asks, Hey, Ryan, I was curious what your thoughts were on the reasons behind AG's offensive regression this season. Anecdotally, seems like he's way less involved in subsequently forcing his offense. Yeah, there were a couple possessions um, last night where clearly forcing a pull-up two, and he had a bank shot that that went in on the baseline. I think it was over Russell Westbrook, if I'm not mistaken, but it might have been Terrence Mann. Um, and then he also just had a pull-up jumper where whoever was guarding him, I think it was Russell Westbrook actually, just sagged off and gave him a ton of space for a mid-range two, and Gordon took it and missed it. And to me, that's not surprising in any way, shape, or form, because Gordon has not shot the ball very well, uh, just as a a jump shooter at all. Um, Four of nine last night, Gordon was O of O from the line, O of O from the three-point line. Yeah, I mean... Last night was so weird from a shot distribution standpoint that I don't necessarily want to use that one as evidence for why Gordon is struggling or how Gordon is struggling. Just because I Joker sort of, <laughs> like, he hijacked the offense in a lot of ways, Joker did, and decided I'm going to run two-man game, I'm going to run post-ups, I'm going to run isolations here. And this was the one time in his career that I think he's really done that. Uh, pretty odd. Pretty odd to say for sure. Um, but yeah, Gordon, I mean, we still need to see him over a prolonged period of time. I don't want to, like I've already ragged on Gordon enough. I gave him a C in the season grades uh, podcast that I did last, which everybody could check out if they want to. Um, that one, I think, still bears fruit even after this one. Although I was happy that I gave Jokic an A in that one as opposed to an A+, plus because this is the kind of performance that bumps it down half a letter grade. So I, uh, I don't feel that bad there. Um, I think in general, AG is somebody that Nuggets fans are going to be frustrated with until about January when he really starts to lock in. He isn't locked in right now. There are some good things that he's doing on the defensive end, but offensively, he is staying out of the way. And I think that's part of what you're talking about here. The offense hasn't been good when he has been involved, so he stayed out of the way. And now it feels like he's uninvolved. And the only times where he does get the opportunities are when he's forcing it. So, look, or or when Jokic is kind of creating something out of the short roll or off of cuts. Um, it's, I don't know. I, I still think that, they need to figure that out. There's no doubt about it. They need to figure out Gordon's role because it hasn't been great. When we come back, we are going to chat about uh, Jamal Murray's return as well as Michael Porter's shooting night and kind of what happened there, why the heck that didn't really translate into more shots. We will talk about that, of course. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. You can win a trip to the biggest football game of the year this season, courtesy of Superbook. They will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game, and they'll also give you two nights to the game plus a three-night hotel stay. All you got to do is place a $25 same-game parlay. 
between now and January 7th, and you will be entered to win into the competition. So wager and win a super trip with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem called 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. We're back. Big action roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate everybody that's hopping into the stream. Uh, if you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe. As I mentioned before, that would obviously help grow the program. And I know not a lot of people are wanting to tune in on this one just because this this game kind of sucked and there was not a lot of fun behind it. And it is important to discuss it because we're supposed to discuss every game. Don't want to miss out on analysis points throughout the year, but I mean, come on. That was a that was a rough one. I understand why people are pretty frustrated. Um, I surprisingly, as as much as people call me the negative Nancy and Eeyore and whatnot, I'm not really that frustrated about it. Like this is just one of those games you have to chuck out the window, in my opinion. And there are certain things that we could still look at, but especially as it pertains to Jokic, I am not concerned. <laughs> like that dude is gonna be fine. Um it will be okay. All right, let's talk about let's talk about Michael Porter next. I had there was a question here from Truth Teller: uh, Why Malone didn't stagger MPJ with the second unit that lacked shooting? Also, Justin should play at least one half. Uh, I thought that Justin Holiday was going to play over Julian Strother. I'm surprised that he didn't, frankly. And I think that Denver would have been better off had Justin Holiday played over Julian Strother. Uh, just because you get into these moments and Strother last night, I'll, I won't go into the details here. Zero points, 0 of 2 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, 13 minutes minus 9. Just not super involved and committed four fouls in 13 minutes. Like he just wasn't ready and he just wasn't effective in his time. And Denver's bench, not really effective at all. Um, but let's talk about MPJ. Let's talk about why Malone doesn't stagger MPJ and other reasons and then kind of just his night in general got off to a great start probably the most important thing um 34 minutes 18 points seven of eight from the field four or five from three three of those three pointers came in the first quarter alone and he was very good he was locked in made some crazy shots he also made some mid-range shots and continues to be surprisingly a mid-range sniper this year uh Pulling his Kevin Durant arc, that's for sure. That dude is, he is shooting a bunch of shots from like every zone. Actually, not a bunch of shots. Probably should be taking more shots. Um, but he is making a bunch of shots is really what I mean. He's been very good. And it is important for people to give proper credit there. I give him, I think, a B in the season grades last night or yesterday. And I mean, he's been just as good as that. Like he has been perhaps better than that if we're being honest, in relation to expectations. Denver didn't get him any more shots, and they couldn't get him any more shots for some reason. Now, they could have. Again, when Nikola Jokic takes 32 shots, Jamal Murray takes 18 in his return. That's 50 right there. The rest of the starters have a combined uh, 17, 21 shots to go around. 
Uh, Aaron Gordon took nine. Michael Porter took eight. KCP took four. It's just not the right shot distribution at all. And I'm not sure what led Nikola Jokic to take so many. Um, He's done this thing before where he will just force it, force it, force it until it kind of makes it makes it happen. But this one seemed even more stark for some reason. And Porter was iced out. As a result, he didn't touch the ball in the second quarter and the fourth quarter, basically. Like he got involved in the first quarter. He got involved in the third quarter, had a couple shots in the in the third and kind of made up for the fact that he didn't really touch it in the second. But for whatever reason, Denver just went middle pick and roll, middle DHO, post up isolation for the entire fourth quarter with Jokic on the floor. And I don't understand that decision. I don't think that that is a great call by Nikola Jokic specifically. He runs the offense in a lot of ways. Now, Denver can change things around. They can influence some things. And if the coach decides to call something, then they'll listen. And I think for whatever reason, the coaching staff, they struggle a lot with maintaining the shot diet for Michael Porter when like after the first quarter. I, I don't know what it is. Porter averages a ton of points. He averages a high percentage in first quarter specifically this year. And for whatever reason, the Nuggets have not been able to sustain that. They don't look for him late in the game. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a frustrating one for sure. And I know that Nuggets fans are looking at this pretty consistently as a as a pretty stark reason for why Denver lost. Um, Porter just has to get more shots up. He's, he's, it's not his fault because he's not touching the ball. Like I could probably count the touches that he had in the, in the second quarter and the fourth quarter on one hand. And because of that, he is obviously like he hasn't, he's done a great job most of the year and most of his career, frankly, of avoiding looking like a shot chucker especially over these last couple seasons. Denver could have used that shot chucking from him. Like Jokic was the shot chucker tonight. He just was, or last night. And pretty odd to see it, obviously. And I think it, was, it runs pretty counterintuitively to the way that Denver likes to run their offense most of the time. So that's why I just want to throw this game out. That's why I'm just like, hey, I, I don't know how to handle it. Um. But yeah, Porter should probably stagger with the second unit a little bit more. Now, one of the things that happens when you see guys stagger with the second unit is their minutes go up and their role res- responsibility goes up and their wear and tear goes up. And for a guy like Michael Porter, who has played every single game, who has been healthy, who has been good, who has been active and been helpful, it may not be the best thing in the world to add to that burden any more than you have to. Because like we talked about, Denver's playing the long game. They know what they can get with Porter when he staggers with the second unit. And he has staggered at times this year. I mean, I've done all the rotation charts. I know that he has staggered at times. He didn't last night. And I think that's because Denver wanted to go with a full bench. And that full bench probably cost Denver the game, for being honest. Um, But yeah, it's, it's interesting to see for Porter specifically, like they need his spacing in the starting unit. That's pretty clear. (laughs) Jokic and Murray are able to operate in the middle of the floor because KCP's in the corner, Mike's in the corner or on the wing, 
and Gordon's hovering around the short corner and in the corner himself. Like those guys, the, the spacing is generally very good with the starting unit, and you need that in order to operate in the middle. Um, now they also need it with the second unit. I understand that, but yeah, yeah. I, look, truth teller, I I know you're just you're doing a lot of like. It is okay to call this a bad game, and it is okay to like. It was a bad game. It was a legitimately bad game for Jokic. I'm I'm here to say that. I am not concerned about it and that he is still the best player in the NBA. That hasn't changed at all, but we can call it what it was. Like it was horrible. And like, it also was horrible process from Joker to not involve anybody else other than Murray and other than Reggie Jackson. So I think that that's, that's a fair criticism this time. And I've probably had some unfair criticisms of Joker in the past. I don't think that this counts. Seemed like Joker was purposely rushing shots instead of running the offense. MPJ was on fire and they totally went away from him. It was very uncharacteristic of Joker and Joker was obviously rattled. Absolutely. No, I think this is very fair. It's, it's, uh, and uh, actually this is a good com- uh, comment from JK Walrus. Uh, some Twilight Zone stuff. That's one of the reasons why I want to throw this game out. I, I just want to say, look, this game is not going to happen again. Like, Joker's probably going to look at the film. He's probably going to, Like he probably felt it during the game last night as he was taking a bunch of shots and he wanted to continue to go through with the process because that's what good players do. And he'll probably look at the box score and he's like, okay, crap, I need to get these guys involved. And oh, Mike went seven of eight. I need to get him involved. And like, he is that kind of player. He is a, he understands he's not selfish in any way. He just wants to win. And I know that he knows that Keeping those guys involved will help Denver win more games. So it'll also help make his shots easier. So I, yeah, no, I, th- I think that this was a Twilight Zone game. Um, Mike has to get more shots. They have to be there. They will be better. And it's just interesting to see how, how that goes from here. Uh, finally, Jamal Murray made his return last night and he looked pretty good. I thought there were some plays where I was a little bit concerned about his burst, a little bit concerned about, okay, some of the shots that he's trying to generate, especially with the second unit, were pretty bad. Um, and he needs to continue to have a, an aggressive mentality with that second unit. He has to be the scorer. He has to be the guy that hunts those shots. And he took 18 shots last night. I don't want to take that away from him. 18 shots in 29 minutes is a pretty high number. Um, 23 points, six assists, one steal, one block, zero rebounds for him, although... Denver won the, actually, they lost the rebounding battle 51 to 46. Uh, when Murray is out there, I want him rebounding. Like, I just, I think that that's a good way for him to stay involved. It's a good way for the Nuggets, especially with the second unit, to stay involved. Uh, Denver gave up nine offensive rebounds off the bench. Uh, Murray only staggered in the first half uh, with that second unit. He played for like four minutes at, from the 12 minute mark to the eight minute mark of the second quarter. And he was, not good during those minutes, I'll say. Murray's got to get more rebounds. He's just, that's one of the things that you can expect from him going forward. He's got to be a, probably a 22, seven and five guy. That's, that's the expectations I would have for him going forward. 22 points, seven assists, five rebounds. Like those should be the benchmarks. If he reaches those every game, then Denver's probably going to win a lot of them. Um, 23 points and six assists. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, he was probably good enough for Denver to win last night. I, I 
can't really blame much on him, but he also has to be better running the second unit if he's going to be out there. That's that's one thing that I I will have some criticism for. Like that's he has to be better operating in the middle of the floor, setting up teammates, putting them into positions to succeed. I know that Christian Brown airballed last night. I know that Peyton Watson's not shooting well. Denver's probably going to get another shooter out there because if Peyton Watson, DeAndre Jordan, and Christian Brown are on the floor, it's not great spacing. So Denver's got to be, like, Murray's got to be aggressive from the perimeter in those lineups, and he's got to be willing to take those shots. So we'll see whether he does. We'll see whether he pushes forward with that. All right, let's take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bench a little bit, and we're going to talk about uh, Friday's game just to revisit another Houston Rockets game. But first, this message from Scout to Huff. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in appreciate all the love um yeah make sure to hit that like button down below that really does help out all of our stuff all right what do we make of the bench reggie jackson moves back to a six-man role and plays fine 14 points four of ten from the field three of four from three is a good number three of four from the line is a good number those are those are good numbers three assists two turnovers fine nothing too crazy there who else did what? Well, Peyton Watson had some good minutes. Uh, didn't shoot the ball well, but he had three assists, only one turnover, had a steal and a block, had three rebounds. Probably needs to be more involved as a rebounder, but uh, that's that's one area of growth for him. And he also is just on the ball defending a lot of the time in these lineups. So I'm not as concerned about him rebounding. It's it's got to be it's got to come from some other guys. Christian Brown, eight points, five rebounds, four of six from the field. Oh, of one from three, not a big one, but it was an air ball in the left corner. That was a pretty ugly miss. Uh, had a block. I thought his defense on Paul George was horrible. I thought that Christian really struggled in those moments and, and really struggled on the perimeter in this one. Uh, the Clippers were okay targeting him. They actually tried to switch Peyton Watson off and get Christian Brown on the ball defensively. And that is some stuff that I think uh, have, they've got to figure out. Um, appreciate that, Ben Mac. Really appreciate that. Um, yeah, Christian's got to be better. Like, he's he's just got to be better defensively, and this was a bad defensive game from him. I'm surprised that he even got to 16 minutes. Like, Michael Malone, in those situations, will usually put back in KCP, will usually put back in Michael Porter, somebody just who's going to provide a little bit more juice. Uh, Christian did not play that great. He did fill up rebounds a little bit, and he was the the leading defensive rebounder on the team. That's good. Uh, Julian Strother, as I mentioned in the second segment, not good. Like that's a that is a pivot point for Denver, and and one where he's a tenth man in the rotation or ninth man in the rotation, and somebody that Denver is going to need to figure out. Like, are they going to play Justin Holiday in these minutes? Are they going to play Julian Strother in these minutes? Or are they going to cut it down to nine? And it wouldn't surprise me if they try to go back to Justin Holiday a little bit because Denver needs more stability with the group. They need somebody who is going to provide a consistent, uh, provide more consistent shooting for one thing, because Strother is as 
good of a shooter as we know he will be. He is currently, I think, shooting about 31%. So there is a learning curve there. And Justin Holiday has hit those shots so far this year. And it's something that I would be a little bit interested about if I were Denver. I'd be trying to figure that out. DeAndre Jordan, not good enough. 11 minutes, two of six from the field, four points, five rebounds. Um, only had two defensive rebounds. Like The offensive rebounds are whatever because a lot of times he's just tipping the ball up off the glass and they're counting that as an offensive rebound. I like Two defensive rebounds is just not good enough, especially when Daniel Tice, his primary defensive matchup, has five offensive rebounds. That's just not good. And like Jordan can't be outworked in those situations. I know that he has won Denver some games, or at least one game, uh, the Clippers game last time. But like the minutes since then have not been good. They just haven't been. And I think it's fair to be honest about that. It's not just unfair criticism. This isn't something where uh, I, I don't want to pile on DJ because his role is different than Zeke Naji's role. Zeke Naji, I expected to be good, and he wasn't. DeAndre, I didn't expect him to be a contributor this year, and he helped win Denver at least one game. So that's part of it, and he does get a pass for that. But as we kind of get some distance away from that game, I think Denver still needs to be at least open to the possibility that he's not the solution and that Zeke isn't the solution either, and the solution may not be on their roster. Uh, for those that don't that didn't see it, I had an article on milehighsports.com that basically, it was a mailbag, basically featured some trade targets that Denver could go after. Actually, let me just pull it up here real quick so people um, don't have to go there necessarily. I, I want to, um, I don't want to have to get you away from the, from the stream. Off the bench, there are three rim rollers that I'd target. Or four. Jalen Smith, who they've had interest from before with the Indiana Pacers. He's probably not available, but they have Isaiah Jackson as as another backup center option in Indiana. Problem is that Indiana's really good and they probably don't want to change that much. So I wouldn't expect them to move Jalen Smith. Dayron Sharp of the Brooklyn Nets has also been really good. Somebody who like he's probably not in their future plans, but he is at least good enough to be a stable backup center for a team, and he would be pretty solid. Um, but he's probably not gettable. Jericho Sims of the New York Knicks, somebody who isn't playing right now because he's behind Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. Both of those guys are obviously very good. Nuggets fans know how good those guys are. Jericho Sims, a draft pick that they had back a little bit ago, Hasn't really been able to get off the bench this year for that reason. So I would consider trying to target him. I would consider trying to add somebody like him who is a vertical rim running threat. Jericho Sims competed in, in the dunk contest. Like he can get above the rim and give Denver some pick and roll savvy. He can also rebound the basketball. So like that would be something that I'd consider. And then... Uh, the last name here, Omer Yurtseven of the Utah Jazz. He is currently starting for them over Walker Kessler for some reason. But I I mean, Omer Yurtseven is not good enough to really make a drastic difference, but he's at least somebody that 
I'd at least consider if I were Denver. Uh, big, tall, athletic, at least athletic enough that he can move a little bit. And he's got some touch above, like on these rim rolls. So that's something that I'd, I'd at least consider. Uh, but look, like Denver's not in a great position where they can really put a bunch of money towards backup center. It's not great. And one of the reasons why I don't usually talk about trade targets, especially for a backup center, is because Denver's just going to go with Aaron Gordon as the backup center in the playoffs. Now, there are some layers to that discussion. There's some layers to that. Like, Jeff Green was a good, at least stable presence at the the power forward spot in the minutes when Gordon didn't play. And Porter can move to that spot too. So there, there are some reasons to believe that Denver can survive when Gordon goes to the bench. But then who plays next to him off the bench is still a fair question. They need somebody else with size, and I'm not sure that's Peyton Watson. Peyton might need to play the three in some of those minutes, but um, it's it's going to be tough. And Denver could probably just use another body. I'm not sure whether that's a center. I'm not sure whether that's a power forward, but we're starting to see just how much Vlako Chanchar is being missed after tearing his ACL. Um, without Jeff Green, without Vlako, and now with Zeke not necessarily in the rotation, you start to see Denver's depth just kind of crumble here. And maybe this is where you give Jay Huff a try. Maybe this is where you give Braxton Key a try. But at this stage, Denver's really struggling. They've been going to Christian Brown, a power forward on occasion. They've been going to these very small lineups. I do think that Porter is a good option kind of in the power forward minutes that Gordon doesn't play. Uh, That's something of a playoff option, though, and Denver could use a regular season option. So uh, I'd be looking at stuff. I think Denver is probably a little bit more in need of an upgrade than they were last year. Denver was fine last year. Ultimately, the Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant additions didn't help Denver last year in the playoffs. That wasn't a a thing that they needed. Uh, This year, that might not be the case. This year, they might need somebody else. So we will see what happens. But uh, I'm still worried about the bench, folks. Like, there's a lot of different guys that I think can step up. I think Murray needs to take more ownership of those second units when he's staggering. I think that they could probably play Murray and Jackson together and play one of the wings, uh, whether it's Christian Brown or Julian Strother, probably Christian Brown. Um, But then you still have the front court issues. And if you're playing smaller in that backcourt with Murray and Jackson, then it leaves you more vulnerable to offensive rebounds. So I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do. But I do know that they have to do something. And there are some reasons to believe that they might be a little bit more aggressive on the trade market than I thought that they would be before. So we will see. Uh, comment down below if you're interested. Comment down below what position you would try to fill if you were like the GM of the Nuggets, for example. Be like, okay, you're trying to get back up center. You're trying to get back a power forward. Is there another position you're trying to target? What would you do to try to help the Nuggets win the championship? All right, folks, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning in. really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast as always. I will be back um, 
probably after the Friday game. I know I'm going to do weekends with Swiper next weekend on Saturday or Sunday, uh, but going to see what happens over the course of these this next couple days. Kind of a weird time in the calendar where there's just not a ton of basketball to talk about for the Nuggets specifically, but should be okay. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support. Hit that like button, that subscribe button on the way out. I will talk to you guys very soon.